I'm Bill. Now I'm T Dog. And this is Two, two films, films Too Curious. Too Curious, where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. But it's a special episode. Mm-hmm. This week, this month, this time is a Two Films Three Curious, featuring Two Films Three Curious alum Brenda to come share some very special Christmas knowledge with us as we discuss some Christmas movies. Say hi, Brenda. Some very special Christmas movies. Hi, Brenda. <laughs> I love it. So the movies that we're watching this time around are uh, White Christmas. Yeah, The Crackles Wild. <laughs> <laughs> and The Holiday. This is yet another uh, pairing picked by two films through Curious alum, Devin, who consistently picks amazing pairings. She's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the general themes here are are multitudinous, uh, but I think the biggest themes are the similarities between uh, General Waverly in White Christmas and the old-timey screenwriter guy whose name I can't remember even though I watched this movie last night. Arthur, that's Mm -hmm. right, from The Holiday, as well as just the general rom-com Christmas movie, but from the 50s versus a more modern interpretation of this idea so that we can compare what that type of thing looks like. That's that's sort of our general vibe here. And before we get fully started, I want to say that the, comparing the two older gentlemen is mm-hmm. so perfect. So perfect. I will get to that, but I it's just want to say. Because, I mean, the, the the best episodes we've done so far have been ones that have been the pairings have been picked by two films, three curious alum, Devin, and it's because of these multifaceted uh, comparisons. Midsummer and Legally Blonde, Jaws and Lars and the Real Girl, and these two. Those are some of my favorite ones, too. Yeah. Some of the best episodes. Also yeah. the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings one, which nobody listens to ever, so if you're listening to this episode... <laughs> At the end of it, watch the Star Wars Lord of the Rings one. It's not interesting. Just put it on while you watch. Uh, but, yeah. Just put, on, put up our you could count. Add it. It'll like, lull you right, right to sleep. <laughs> put it multiple times on the queue in Spotify so that, like, we can get those numbers up. Turn your volume all the way down. You don't even have to listen. To yeah, it. you don't have to listen to it. That's, just, because, that's all we ask. Maybe because they're both such long movies, people think it's going to be a really long episode. I, I You yeah. know what? I could I could see why they would think that, yeah. but on the other hand, I want them. To, if we're good, more of us would be better. Is that not true? This is true. I mean, yeah. I feel that way about the two of you for sure. How could less be more? More, more is more. More is more. It's not like Ingvay Malmsteen talk about said those movies that. for a long time. <clears throat> Exactly. And probably everything we would say is either rehashed information from the internet or just us talking about how much we love it. And that's probably not that fascinating. <laughs> or, so or why aren't people listening to it more? That's rehashed, what I want to rehashed information from when they have come up during other discussions such as this. Right. True. Why is that not a fascinating thing to listen to? <laughs> right. That's what I want to know. Right. Anyways, if you want to get Bill and T-Dog a Christmas gift... We'll send you our addresses. You can send us DVDs. But if you don't want to do that, the other Christmas gift you can give us would be listening to that episode, also every other episode. Until then, let's talk about White Christmas and the holiday. Mom, you want to give us tell us what happens in White Christmas? I would love to. If you want, I could just start at the beginning and say all of the lines and sing the music and even do some of the instrumentals. you want me to do that? You know, actually, this is one of my favorite fun facts about White Christmas and the holiday. 
you can quote one of the most complicated <laughs> lines in this movie and nail it every time, which is doubly shocking because I think that any time you try and quote any other movie, it's wrong. Absolutely. Jack just corrected me on several of them. Your fav- What's the line from, Chris- from Christmas Story? You better be careful. You're going to get a BB in your eye. No, that's not the line. <laughs> Cut it out. It's but it's so close. You nail it every time. It's so close. I'm not that bad. White Close. Christmas, you nail it every time. Yeah. It's a great line. It's, one of, it it's probably my favorite line. One of my favorite lines from the movie. Right. Tell us the plot. Tell us how it goes. Okay. <clears throat> so the film opens, and Bob Wallace and Phil Davis are in the Army, and um, they're in an active um, area, and they're doing a Christmas show, like a Christmas Eve, you know, kind of with a old um, Victrola and they're singing um, singing and dancing and there's some Christmas decoration and Bob, oh, no, uh, General Waverly, whom they all love, he's been just a great leader, is leaving and ooh, I'm already getting too deep into it. Okay, <laughs> shorten it, shorten it. Um, you take all the so, time you need. I, I cannot do that. It's a two-hour movie. I would take like an hour and a half. So um, there's uh, some planes go over, and there's some bombs that are dropped. And Phil Davis, who is a private, saves the life of Captain Bob Wallace. And the next scene, um, he's Bob Wallace goes to visit Phil Davis in the in the little I don't know camp hospital, and. Uh, Phil Davis guilts him into pairing with him as a singing duet when they get out of the army, when they're, when they're out. So that happens and they become hugely famous. And, um, Phil Davis keeps trying to get Bob Wallace. uh, Let's just call him Phil and Bob from now on. Phil keeps trying to get Bob to get involved with a woman because Phil feels like he doesn't have any time for himself because he's created this work monster and so, um, Bob says, my dear partner, and no, Bob says, oh, I'll get around to that one of these days. And Phil says, here you go, Will, Bill, <laughs> my dear partner, when what's left of you gets around to what's left to be gotten, what's left to be gotten won't be worth getting whatever it is you've got left. Nailed it. It's such a great line. Well, How could you not? It's, a, it's, a it's very Bill Bobaggins. I, I can never remember it. It is. <laughs> What's that line? You know that line, Tyler. Do that one. Uh, I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. A classic. A oh, classic that's line. really good, too. Yeah. And then nobody claps because they're all too drunk to understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he only insulted half of them. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Well, to be honest, nobody clapped at, at um, Bob's line either. That's right. <laughs> Phil, in fact, Phil said, when I figure out what that means, I'll give a crushing reply. Anyway, <laughs> so they decide, or they learned that instead of going out with this um, this woman that Bob is that Phil is trying to set Bob up with, they have to go see a, what they're calling a sister act, and it's hap- it happens to be sisters of a person that they knew in the army, and Freckle so face they do it. Haynes, the, the dog, dog face, face boy. boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they go and see this act, and they're concerned, you know, they're like, oh, how can how can he have the nerve to have parents? He's so ugly, and it's like, oh, well, he must have very brave parents. Anyway, 
So they get there, and of course the women, the sisters are beautiful. And they each kind of feel attracted to the different sisters. And um, once again, Phil finagles or guilts Bob into going to Vermont instead of going to New York as they had originally planned because the girls, the sisters are going to Vermont to um, perform at this Pine Tree Inn. So um, there's other shenanigans that happen in there that's really funny and you really should watch the movie if you haven't. But when they get to Pine Tree, um, there's no snow and they're, you know, all pretty confused and disappointed and um, they get to the inn and they're about to tell the, the, I guess, basically the maid, the receptionist, the house mom of the inn, that they're going to leave when the owner of the inn walks in, and it's General Waverly. And so um, he says, no nonsense, you know, you've signed a contract, and kind of tongue-in-cheek, you've signed a contract, and doggone it, you're going to perform, and even if it's just for me, it'll be worth it. So they stay, and they realize that they need to do something because the general has put just a lot of his money and time and effort into this inn, and so they need to do something because they're afraid that if, unless, they're afraid that unless they get some um, guests there, some paying guests, that this could be, like, the end of it for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the end of the inn. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he He's has... He's going to die. They're going to kill him. <laughs> no, no. It's <laughs> not successful. If he doesn't, if they don't get snow, he's going to die. Right. No. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Meanwhile, he has written to re-up with the army, and he gets a letter, and they, they're like, mm, you're, you're, you're too old, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's nicer than that, but basically. So they decide, Bob and Phil decide to bring their Broadway show, or as much of it as they can, to the inn, and um, rehearsals are going, and it's great, um, but the, the woman, the... Um, housekeeper at the inn is a busybody and she overhears part of a conversation where Bob calls uh, Ed Harrison who is really like Ed Sullivan his friend from the army and says look the general is in dire straits I want to come on and I want to sing I want to do a song and see if we can get some of our old army buddies to come to the inn just to kind of pump up his spirits because he's heard the the army doesn't want him anymore right so she only hears part of it, and she tells Betty, one of the sisters, the sisters, sorry, are Betty and Judy, and Betty is the one that happens to, she and Bob have already had a kiss, and, you know, they're kind of, you know, cozy, and um, she tells Betty the part that, she, the small part that she hears, which is where Ed Harrison is saying, it's a great idea, it's going to mean several, th- you know, $100,000 in free publicity for you, let's put it on, like, you know, the forgotten old man, lots of schmaltz, and so they're both pretty devastated that Bob would even consider doing this, you know, making him look pathetic. And So Betty leaves. <clears throat> um, well, but before, sorry, sorry, before she does that, um, she's angry, she stomps off from a conversation with Bob, and Phil and Judy decide that... Um, Betty won't get involved with Bob until Judy is taken care of because Judy's the younger sister. So they fake an engagement. Well, that doesn't work because that, of course, wasn't the problem in the first place. And so Betty leaves, 
and goes to New York, and Bob finds out that it was fake, and he goes to New York because he's going to be on Ed Harrison. But he decides to get there early and stop in and see Betty and tell Betty that the divorce was fake and says, you know, gosh, I would really like to see you back too. Um, and so she's like, well, I don't know, because she still doesn't know that his he, these were altruistic motives of Bob's. Right. So um, after her show um, she at the Carousel Club, she uh, is with some of her some of the, her the, her fellow performers and they're watching the Ed Harrison show and she realizes that she was wrong. She goes back to the inn. She surprises Bob and Phil at the in the during the basically the beginning number of the show by showing up again. And they go through the show and the general is so moved that so many of his um, what, what do you call that his army command yeah. showed up his unit. and. His unit, thank you. His unit showed up, and um, he's very moved. And oh, duh! And the, all the it's kids the come out. The they're going to sing. Yeah, oh, duh is the name of the movie. That was the working title. And <laughs> all the people come out. All the all these dancers and performers that have been part of it. And the curtains open, and it's snowing, and the day is saved. There we go. That's why Christmas. There are loads and loads and loads of really fabulous scenes that I didn't include in that. So right. watch it. It is. I will say that I told Tyler when he needed to watch it uh, to watch it on the best quality format mm-hmm. you can because I was talking to Devin the uh, like when we started watching it for the podcast that we watched it so many times when we were kids on a VHS and there were things that I had no idea what color they were until I watched the Blu-ray. I assumed a coat was brown, but it was tweed. You know, you can see so many more details with a very clear VistaVision color on something like Blu-ray or something the 4K on or 1080p on the Netflix or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And considering that the incredible genius Edith Head did the costuming for it, you want to see that in all its glory. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, the holiday is a little bit easier to uh, break down because I uh, just watched it yesterday, and uh, there's not as much going on, I don't think. The holiday is this. There's uh, there's a lady in England. Her name is Kate, Kate Winslet, and there's a lady in America, and her name is Cameron Diaz. I think in the movie her name is Amanda. I don't remember what Kate Winslet's name is. Iris. Iris. That's right. Like I. Anyways... Uh, Iris is uh, in an in a unrequited love, toxic relationship style relationship with the French asshole from A Knight's Tale. And <laughs> she's like, I just need to get out of town. Uh, and so she puts her house up on this Come Swap Houses With Me website. It's like Airbnb if you only traded. And Cameron Diaz uh, is in America and her long-term boyfriend is like, I'm obviously not sleeping with my secretary. Obviously, we have a bigger problem here. Cameron Diaz is like, you obviously are sleeping with your secretary. I don't want to examine any other bigger problem because, really, you're just horrible. And he's like, okay, yeah, I was sleeping with her. And so she hits him, and he leaves. I want to say something. Can I interject something here? Yes. (laughs) The gardener, when they're having this fight, oh, my gosh, he's hilarious. (laughs) Like, in addition to the fact that he's wearing a Dodgers baseball cap, which makes him aces in my book – 
the the like kind of sideways like very subtle shake his head no no don't tell her <laughs> that you were sleeping <laughs> with her <laughs> so cameron diaz is like i need to get out of town too i'm done with this and so she finds a a quaint uh little cottage in surrey that iris has and she was like hey you still want to do this and iris is like okay bet and cameron diaz like there are any men in your town? She's like, hell no. And she's like, great, perfect, I'm going to come. And so they switch houses, and Cameron Diaz, uh, we're gonna, I'm, I'm not good at switching back and forth between their storylines, so we're going to go all England, and then we'll go all America. Cameron Diaz stays in this cottage, and she's having a little bit of a rough time with it because it's very old-timey cottage. I learned that the cottage was originally built in, like, the the – old timey times pre-electricity and then they didn't ended up not filming it there so they built it from scratch closer to london but still they uh it's old timey cottage she's having trouble with the fireplace she's she's not having a great time and then a drunk man shows up at her door and she opens the door and it's jude law and he's like hey you're not my sister and she's like bet and he was like when i'm drunk my sister lets me sleep here and she was like okay and then they sleep together and not in a friend's it's, way. It's in Jude a, Law, in a, so I mean, it's a good he choice. He shows up and he's like, "Hey, sure. I'm Jude Law. You know my movies." And she's <laughs> like, "I I loved you. I loved I you in artificial intelligence. You were great in artificial part. intelligence. I cut the I cut the trailer for it because Cameron Diaz <laughs> makes trailers in the movie. Anyways, uh, then afterwards they were like, "We don't need to make this complicated." He gets a phone call from someone named uh, Olivia. Sophia. Sophia first. That's right, Sophia. And she's like, "Oh, you know what? This doesn't have to be that big of a thing." And then she's like, "I'm I'm leaving anyways. I I can't do this here." And so she's going to get on a plane to Amsterdam, and then she, she's like, you know what? No, let's give it a shot. And she meets up with him at the pub. They have a great time. They go back to his house, or go back to her house again. They're having a nice time. And then the next day, Olivia calls, and she's like, who's Olivia? But she doesn't say who's Olivia. She's just like, I don't need to deal with this kind of nonsense anymore. But then it's not nonsense, and it turns out she goes to his house, and uh, Olivia, she's like, you know what? I, I, I'm interested in you. And he's like being real cagey at the door. But then the door opens up and Olivia and Sophia are Jude Law's kids. Oh, my God. They're so cute. Right. And she was like, oh, hi. And then she's like, you need to tell me right now if you are married because we need to figure out how I'm going to play this if your wife shows up. And he's like, no, I'm not married. I'm a widower. And she's like, shit. Uh, but then just like, it's this like roughly. <laughs> This like, I don't know if we can do this. Like, I live in Los Angeles. Like, you never come to L.A. You never come to New York. I never come to London. I don't know if we can do this relationship. I don't know if it's going to work. And it's just back and forth. And then finally Cameron Diaz is like, I need to just go. And then she's driving away, and she starts to cry. And, like, this whole part of the movie, like, she's been talking about, like, she hasn't cried since she was 15. When her parents divorced, she stopped crying, and she hasn't cried since then. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm crying now. Clearly I love this man. she's like, we need to make this work. While that's happening in England – Iris is in America. Meanwhile, across the pond. Across the pond. <laughs> in in America, Iris is at Cameron Diaz's really awesome uh, Los Angeles, very big house. She's doing all these L.A. things. But then, uh, oh, she sees an old man, and then Jack Black shows up, and he's being charming. And then... Eli yeah. Wallach, by the way, is the old yes. man. Yeah. Eli Wallach. I read a review that said that... Uh, <clears throat> Apparently this movie got a lot of mixed reviews. That's unimportant. Uh, but the review had said something about this gave Eli Wallach one of his best roles in decades. He's amazing oh, in agree. this movie. So. He's so good. Anyways, uh, she sees an old man. She sees uh, Jack Black. He uh, He's being charming. And then she gets she's having a great time. And then she gets 
an email and then a call from uh, the French asshole from uh, uh, Knight's Tale again. And he's he was actually like, British. Oh, but in, in Knight's Tale, he's French. Okay. He plays a French a French prince or something in Knight's Tale. He's um he's yeah he's British in this movie, but he's, he's French nice in Knight's Tale. He's no the the prince in England that that knights. Uh, You're right. I have him confused. Is, yeah, no. The, the French guy is the bad guy at the end. Uh, but and it's Mark Wahlberg, it? right? Is it Mark Wahlberg? Is it Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> oh no! It's Jack Black. <laughs> it's Jack Black. Anyways. This is getting away from me. Anyways, uh, what's his name in this? I can't remember. It's something. Jasper. Jasper. That's his name. Jasper's like, Jasper hey, Bloom. hey, Iris, I need you to edit my book. And she was like, you need me to edit your book? And so he's like, I'm going to send you some pages because, you know, we're just we're close like that. And she's like, eh. Uh, and then uh, she finds uh, the old guy out on the street and he seems lost. And she's like, hello, sir, are you lost? And he's like, a little bit. And she's like, I think I might know where you live. Hop on in. And so they get there, and she finds out he's this screen, like he's worked in Hollywood. Like she looks into his office, just sort of peeking. And he's got like Emmys and uh, Peabody and like a, an, Oscar an Oscar and just all this stuff. She finds out he's this amazing screen, screenwriter from the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, but he's just <clears throat> sort of chilling now. Uh, and so they chat, and she, she was like, you know, I'm not doing anything. You want to go to dinner? And he was like, great. And so they go out for dinner, and they have a nice time. And then uh, she has a Hanukkah party with him, and Jack Black shows up again because he's supposed to be getting some stuff from the house. Uh, and he ha- joins them for the Hanukkah party, and they're just having a great time. Uh, his girlfriend, who was there at the beginning, is now shooting a movie in New Mexico. But, you know, he's a little flirty with Kate Winslet, and they're like, oh, okay, okay. But, it's not, you know, he's in a relationship, and Kate Winslet seems to love this Jasper guy still at least a little bit. So it's not even a thing. Uh, it turns out Arthur, the screenwriter, uh, Writers Screenwriters Guild of America, keeps wanting to do a thing for him, and he's like, "No, that's bullshit. I don't want to do it. It's stupid. It's gonna be like two people. Nobody will be there. Yeah, right." And Kate Winslet's like, "You're no. We're gonna go to this. Uh, we're gonna get you all ready to go to this." And so, like, she's doing exercises with him so that he didn't have to have a walker or anything. And she walks down the the, the red carpet, and she's gonna be his date. And she's gonna be his date. And so he's given her a list of movies to watch. Uh, and like they have a really nice time, and then uh, oh, Jack Black is a, a screen, uh, he writes songs for movie, he writes he does scores for movies, and he writes a, like a song for Arthur, and they're just having a really nice moment. And then turns out when Jack Black and and Kate Winslet are at uh, Blockbuster Video with Dustin Hoffman, they're trying to get a movie, but then Jack Black sees his girlfriend is there with another man, and she he was like, I thought you were in New Mexico, and she's like, he's, she's like, I've been back for a while now, just didn't want to see you, and then he's like, oh, I guess we're breaking up then, and then Kate Winslet and him have this this moment that they share together where they're like, we need to stop doing this for ourselves, like, we keep doing this to each other, like, to with each other to ourselves, to stop. To yeah. ourselves right, mm-hmm. and Jack Black is like, yeah, but then... His girlfriend calls him again, and he's like, she needs to talk to me. I got to go. I'm going to try real hard to be at the Arthur thing, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. I got to go. And Kate Winslet's like, I understand. And then Kate Winslet gets home, and who should show up but Jasper? And Jasper's like, I just need you. I need you in my life. Let's go to, I don't know, some other fancy European country that I can't remember that he says. And she was like, okay. Bulgaria. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think he said uh, former Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, Luxembourg. They're going to Luxembourg. Nothing says romance like Luxembourg. Right. And so there, and then she was like, wait a second, wait a second. 
are you broken up with your fiance? And he was like, isn't it enough that I'm com- that I'm confused about this? And she's like, oh, fuck no. Please leave this house now, you horrible, horrible man. And she gets ready to go. She goes to Arthur's house. They're, they're going into the thing. There's nobody in the lobby, and you're like, oh, fuck. And then they open up the doors, and everybody's there. Whole world packed. is there. Yeah. It's packed. They're excited to hear it. They're excited to Everyone see it. Everyone from White Christmas is there. Everyone from it's White crazy. Christmas. Bing Crosby's there. <laughs> General Waverly, that guy who's like, these pants have shrunk. He's in the audience. Which is re- really something because all of those people are dead. They had well, been dead by 2006 at least. Like but right. Yeah. Well, it's it's a, a force ghost. Like the oh, they're, yeah, it's a force ghost. Anyways, uh, they all show up and it's, it's, it's wonderful. And Arthur's theme starts playing. Not the one from the movie Arthur, but the one that Jack Black wrote. Right. And right. Jack Black is there, and Kate Winslet and Jack Black are sitting down next to each other, and they're like, she, "He's like, I think you're great, and I think you're wonderful, and I'm, and <clears throat> I've ended it with that other girl because that was nonsense, and I think that you're wonderful. What are you doing for New Year's?" And she's like, "I'm going home." And he was like, "I've never been to England. If I was in England, would you go out with me on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve?" And she was like, "Sure." And so it's wonderful. And the end of the movie is Kate it's Winslet so good. and Jack Black and Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. And Olivia and Sophia, and they're just having a wonderful New Year's Eve party, and it's just so nice. It's and so absolutely. sweet. They're dancing. They're at Jude Law's house at the yeah. At, yeah Jude Law and his daughter's house, and it's just really sweet. It's a it's quite a it's quite a sweet movie. Yeah. So there we go. That's the holiday. I had to ask Tyler, mm-hmm. what did you think of White Christmas? I was afraid you were going <laughs> to ask me this question. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't not like it i just okay. didn't love it as much as the rest of the mike cells do i don't know that there are too many people that love it as much as the mike cells well do. that's true i guess that's true <laughs> when i saw it and i was like that was, a, that was okay that was good and then yeah. i was like oh no <laughs> but i didn't love it <laughs> it's okay it's okay we love you and that's what matters I appreciate that. <laughs> but I I mean it as I was telling Bill or yeah, I forget what we call him on this podcast. It's Bill. Bill. As I was telling Bill Charles. As I was calling Charles. Bill we, Chuck. When I have no nostalgia for the movie. I I I've only seen this for the first time now. So I I don't know how much like that's just not a factor for me. There's not a love yeah. for it that I already had. That I'm like, I get to yeah. watch the movie again. Yeah. I mean, when when I was growing up, it was all like '80s movies in my head. It was Jurassic <clears> Park <throat> on loop and stuff like that. So this yeah. is like I don't get a lot of exposure to anything really pre yeah. '70s. Very yeah, much I... in my in my movie watching career. I have all kinds of warm, fuzzy, cozy. Mm-hmm. Probably the bulk of the cozy feels from my childhood mm-hmm. surround this movie and all those Rankin Bass Christmas cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, but not, what about the Rankin and Bass Hobbit? It's a Christmas movie I it never, and it's a cartoon. So I, I will allow that, but I never, we never saw that when I was a kid. I don't know why. That's a reverse because I love that movie so much. <laughs> So that's my white Christmas. Yeah, my guys love it. <laughs> yeah, Bill had seen it when he was a kid, but I just my parents never showed that to us. Well, it probably didn't show up on so. TV as often as the Christmas ones did. Right, once a year. Yeah. 
You got some fun facts for us? I do. I'll do the fun facts for White Christmas first. So, according to Rosemary Clooney, the midnight snack scene in which Bob Wallace expounds his theory about what foods foods cause which dreams was almost entirely improvised. I love finding out that scenes or lines were improvised. Yeah. That's always exciting. This one, you actually told me, uh, Bill, when we were hanging out the other day, although uh, Dean Jagger was made out to be the old man, quote unquote. Bing Crosby is actually six months older than him. <laughs> they're yeah. filming the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the old guy. Bing Crosby is the old guy in the film. Yeah, it's that's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy in the holiday was ninety years old, so like he was actually old man. Right. <laughs> um. Also, in another in another interview, Rosemary Clooney once quipped. That this could have been a near perfect, near perfect movie if yeah. they could only have dubbed her dancing. <laughs> I think she does a fine oh, job. She does a better job so than too. Bing Crosby does dancing. Yeah. yeah, Bing Crosby does a really good job singing and standing still. And I think, I think <laughs> that, that is his general wheelhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> many of Bob Wallace's more unusual turns of phrase were just lifted straight out of Bing Crosby's own speech patterns. Which that makes tracks. sense if you use the actor for you know to mm-hmm. kind of inform the character. Uh, and then one of the dancers accompanying Rosemary is George Chakiris. Mm-hmm. We can get his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went on to win the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role because he was in West Side Story. He played mm-hmm. Bernardo. I mm-hmm. didn't know that one until Devin told me that when we were watching it this last time too. Yeah, and that is a before seventies movie that I love. I love West Side Story. Oh, it's so good. Fun fact. It's so good. I have never seen West Side Story. (gasps) I failed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good, Will. I've I've heard tell. I would try to think of something to pair it with. I'm excited to see the new one, too, because it looked... Mm -hmm. The color that I... The the reason I like the the visual coloring of White Christmas something that Steven Spielberg has done in West Side Story seems to have that same mm-hmm. quality to it, at least when yep. we're watching the trailers for it. Devin and I have seen a couple of movies recently, and like every single one of them has had a trailer for West Side Story at the beginning, and we're like, wow, yeah, it looks it looks gorgeous. So I would like to see the new one, but I would like to see the old one too. Fun facts for the holiday. I was surprised for both these movies the number of fun facts that were available for me to choose from. Usually Sometimes, it's pretty lopsided, isn't it? With the holiday, I was expecting like not a lot because yeah. just usually there's not that much fun trivia behind a movie. But there was actually a lot with this one. About the same number as there were for White Christmas. Oh, wow. Huh. I so wouldn't for, have thought there would be that many fun facts. Yeah, same. <laughs> fun facts for the holiday. On an episode of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Dustin Hoffman said that his cameo was unplanned and script and unscripted. He was driving by the Blockbuster video and then just stopped in because he saw the cameras and equipment and was like, hey, guys, it's me, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and because he, knew, because he knew Nancy Myers, who's the writer and director, they were like, they came up with a scene that he could be in. So, How fun. Because if you're Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, you can just walk up in anywhere and then be like, hi, I'm Dustin right. Hoffman. Honestly, I was right. curious about that because I know that, like, I mean, like... I mean, John Krasinski and Catherine Hahn may not have been Dustin Hoffman level big at the time of this movie, but they're in it. And then it's like James Franco in the movie trailer. And I thought it was just like, these are all famous people that were excited about 
their friends making movies and had a little cameos in yeah. it. And it's cool that Dustin Hoffman just sort of showed up. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. He happened to be driving by. Yep. I mean, he um, looks it too, <laughs> based on yeah. his costume. Yeah, true. <laughs> Can't go anywhere. That's right. Edith Head did not costume him. No. <laughs> no. Uh, this film was actually written specifically with Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Jack Black in mind. Interesting. Oh. Which I find always interesting that they were looking for Jack Black specifically in a very non-Jack Black role. Yeah. Right. But still he retains his essence, you know? Yes. He's still... He is He's still, still... It's a more diluted Jack Black than Jack right. Black's own films that he's in. He's got his his scrutely doos that he does, and right. he's singing the mm-hmm. the soundtracks for movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, the website that they use to exchange houses is a real website. Oh. Homeexchange dot com. Did not know <laughs> that. That sounds stressful. It does. <laughs> uh, a few months after this movie came out, the popularity of quote house swapping was on the rise. So much sure. so that the police in England had to issue a warning against swapping homes with strangers due to, quote, identity fraud and murders. Oh, Oh my gosh. So there's our tie back to our uh, Halloween episode there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the interior sets for Amanda's house were built on the soundstage, as you kind of already talked about. Uh, Well, cost about a million to build without exterior walls or roof, plumbing, heating, or electricity. Uh. So it would have been more than that if they had to put... Any of that right. stuff in there too, right? Right. But at least for I know that they were saying that it would have it was like a couple of hours drive to get from the studio to the to the house that they were looking at, mm-hmm. and I was I was thinking about like how do you how do you figure out that cost analysis? Like if you have to shoot multiple days there, that means you have to get your entire crew mm-hmm. out there, stay the night, film, right? If there's stay a place the night, to stay, go home or exactly. drive more than once. Yeah, right. That's yeah. expensive. <laughs> Does that make sense? So no fun facts. I have my favorite fun fact from White Christmas. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of the Dustin Hoffman fun fact from Holiday. And that is that, pardon me, <clears throat> there's a scene where um, Bob Wallace and Phil Davis are helping the, the sisters escape when they first meet them. Some landlord is trying to get some money out of them and they don't owe the money and you know they send them off and... In order to stall, Bob Wallace and Phil Davis, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, do basically they mime the, um, no, what's it called? Lip sync. Thank you. They lip sync and dance the the sisters song that they sing. <laughs> sisters, sisters, there are never such devoted sisters. Anyway, and it's hilarious. Yeah. And they keep cracking each other up. And all of that is real because... Um, they had been goofing around during, well, there was a break in filming and they did that. And the director was like, oh my God, I have to have that in the film. But even as they were doing it, they were ad-libbing and, you know, hitting, hitting each other with these big kind of fans that they were dancing with and, and all of the laughter in it I've read is real. (laughs) And, and in fact, there were several times where they had to cut filming which you know film was so very expensive in 1954 they had to cut filming because danny k was making people laugh too much <laughs> yeah thankfully we don't have to worry about that on this podcast no you just edit it out exactly <laughs> no film 
Let's be real. I'm not going to edit out the laughs. I do very little editing on this podcast anyways. It's a it's a wonder I can edit out coughs or dog barks. We're going to keep the laughs in. The uh that's I I'm excited to say my similarity because I feel like I mean I've got a couple similarities, but this is the first time I feel like I've had a in a, in a long time I've had a really insightful similarity that hasn't been a joke. <clears throat> The similarity is this. Another thing that connects these two movies, I think, is is people that are helpful and how to help people. White Christmas has this theme of helping people the way they want to be helped. Ed Harris keeps trying to get or Ed Harrison keeps trying to get uh Bob and Phil to like like bring the Ed Harrison show out there. Like let's go do this thing. Like let's make it a whole big thing. It'll be like all this schmaltz. And Bing is like, no, 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 that's not what we that's not the help that he needs. That's not helpful to him. What he needs is he needs a pick me up and he needs some people to come to his hotel. That's mm-hmm. the help that he needs and that's how we can help him. This other thing would not be helping for him. This would be self serving for us. Similarly Iris in The Holiday is oh. a helper. She likes to help people. Yeah. And what she needs to what she needed to learn in this movie was the difference between enjoying and being able to help a friend like mm-hmm. Arthur versus the toxic uh mm-hmm. usury associated with her relationship with Jasper. Right. She thinks that it's something that she enjoys or convinces herself it's something she enjoys because she likes to help people, but all she's doing is hurting herself. By being a part of that toxic relationship, she had to learn the the good way for her to help people in much the same way in White Christmas. They had to learn the way to help their friend. Right. That's right. That was interesting. Yeah. So there we go. Anyways, is this... Uh, this is Two Films Too Curious. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> <laughs> is this the part where we can talk about the old guys? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that similarity. Okay, so there are a number of similarities. They're both older, they're both single, they're both, you know, kind of not reliant necessarily, but they depend on the people around them. (laughs) But neither movie, neither of the older guys, Dean Jagger or Eli Wallach, are the main characters. They're not even the secondary (laughs) characters, right? Yeah. But if you try to imagine both films without their character yeah they're very boring films yeah those people are integral to the way that the story develops yeah so in white christmas if there's no general waverly there's no drama surrounding there's no personal connection for bob and phil right at the inn right they would just and have so, left right yeah. <laughs> right and without um Eli Wallach without Arthur in the holiday, there wouldn't be, I, I feel like he kind of is what connects um, Jack Black and girl Iris. who, yeah. thank you, Iris. <laughs> yeah. I'm like actress whom I love, whose name I can never say. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think it's interesting that their, their characters are so integral to the, to to promoting the plot mm-hmm. and yet they're at best tertiary characters yeah their their journey is not the one we're we're witnessing in this film right in either of the films it's the people helping them and their journeys and right you know, yeah their trials but they so 
kind of drive the plot. I mean, they're yeah, big, exactly. Yeah, and they're not one dimensional either. They're not like not to not to dunk on right not to dunk on other movies that i may have watched in the last hour uh but there's this weird mystical guy in uh the princess swap uh that seems to help drive the plot but he's just i don't know if he's like a christmas elf or something or if he's just sort of a mystical guy that comes in and, and gives an interesting plot uh he's like that tiktok tyler about uh, the guy that who walks around stores and says NPC dialogue. <laughs> yeah. He just sort of shows up places and says, well, isn't that interesting? And they're like, it, <laughs> it is interesting. It, thank you, sage old man, for saying that. And these two guys aren't like that. They're, General no. Waverly has yeah. uh, motivations. He has interests. Right. He has things that make him sad. He has things that make him happy right. and upset and moved. And right. same with Arthur. He has – there are things in his life that are – he has he his his relationship with his friends his uh, the the love that he had for his wife that comes through even though it's she's mentioned maybe twice in the whole movie right. it's it's very it's a he's a very three dimensional character they're very right. even in a movie not that not that there are not three dimensional characters but. Mary Wicks's character, the busybody oh house person in White Christmas, is a great character, and it's Mary Wicks at her prime. But she's not, she's not very three dimensional, and General Waverly is, and the movie is better for it. Right, Mary Wicks really has that one purpose. She's awesome at it, oh, but she phenomenal. really has that one purpose to cause, um, to sort of unintentionally cause strife, conflict. Yeah, conflict. Right. So Jack pointed out. Um, we were discussing the two, General Waverly, and he had said that, essentially, I paraphrase, but essentially, General Waverly is very s- sort of self-effacing about his, the fact that he was a major general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want him to wear his uniform to the to the big party that they've planned, and he's he's like, no, I won't appear in uniform. You know, I'm like, I'm right. not going to be, I'm not going to, try to draw attention to myself or sympathy or some other kind of feels because of my uniform. That's, you know, and that's how Eli Wallach was. Uh, That's how Arthur is in the holiday. Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to go to this thing because I don't want people to feel sorry for the old guy. Right. I don't want to be the subject of pity because that's the only thing I think I could be in this scenario. Right. Yeah. Right. Tyler, do you have a similarity for us? Um, I mean... The, I'm excited because you said they were all jokes. I mean, yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't house swap in White Christmas, but they go to different location. Right. <laughs> they do. Well, like, I mean, they swap think, their, their... They've changed their plans, their, yeah, their right. Christmas plans. I think that... I mean, I mean, and that... I guess that's less <clears> of a joke because that does kind of... it. In the holiday, it is like the whole plot that they switch yeah. houses. But the changing of plans in the holiday season it is a catalyst for a lot of things, and especially in these both of these movies. Yeah, the spontaneity right. of deciding I want to do this new thing. Right. Yeah. They both, and I think it's um, I, I think it's maybe, if not important, it's at least interesting that they both go to locations that are not their home. Yeah, yeah. and for opposite because reasons. That yeah, Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz, right? Are at home. Yeah. Right. Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz are leaving their homes to get away from mm-hmm. failed love 
and, and what did Bob they find? Wallace and Phil Davis are trying to right. get successful love. And Kate Winslet right. and Cameron Diaz get successful love. And Bob Wallace and uh, uh, Betty really ruin that love. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Listening audience don't listen to him. Mary Wicks is the one that really... All four of them. They do fall in love. Yeah. Eight of them across all the movies. All eight of them across... Oh, that's an interesting thing, Tyler. Sixteen people in the movies. Both movies are about two couples. Boy, girl, boy, girl. Yeah. Isn't that cozy? Both couples, at least half of them are siblings. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The difference, of course, being... That they're not sisters in the holiday. It's a brother and a sister. Yep. So, big important difference. There, there would be different movies. They would be. We swapped those. Very progressive. I, I know I had. I did too, and I can't remember what it was. These are some good similarities. So, can I tell another fun fact? Yeah. Yes. Of course. So, Vera Ellen um, started dancing when she was ten. You know, people talk a lot about have have a, has said that she had an eating disorder. She had anorexia, and actually, mm-hmm. her husband and a good friend of hers both said that that was not true. That she just, you know, she was a dancer and she danced all her life and worked out like a fiend and probably had, you know, just really fabulous genetic metabolism and anyway that's not the fun fact the fun fact is that she she was a dancer for most of her life and at age 15 i think around that time she started taking dance lessons in cincinnati and she carpooled to those dance lessons with doris day another 1950s 60s film superstar yep 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 and another person responsible for the soundtrack of my, my movie childhood, White Christmas during the Christmas time, and then things like The Thrill of It All, That Touch mm-hmm. of Me, Please Don't Pillow Talk, Daisies, Pillow Talk, mm-hmm. things like that. If we ever did a uh, three films too curious, the one that I would want to do, of course, is still Mad, 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 Mad World, Scavenger Hunt, and Rat Race. But if we could do one that would actually be worth a comparison, it would be... Shop around the corner, oh. pillow talk, and you've got mail. Absolutely, the same story across three <clears throat> different. It's so good formats. If shop around the so corner good. is having a pen pal, and pillow talk is a party line for phones, which is a yep. thing that seems so foreign now. Yeah, I remember having. Mail. I remember having one as a kid. For the yeah. for the for the benefit of those of us, including maybe both halves of two films too curious that have a tenuous grasp on what a party line is. Why don't you explain what a party line is? So a party line was what happened in, in, um, a long time ago. Um, it, it started being corrected in big cities and worked its way out to smaller communities. And I lived in a really dinky community in Indiana and a party line was where there was one telephone cable, but it was attached to multiple, usually two different telephones, two different homes. So I could pick up my phone, and if the person at the other house that was on my party line was on the phone, I could hear that conversation. 
So I would have to hang up my phone and wait for them to hang up. You know, I'm trying to make a call, pick it back up. No, they're still talking, hang it up, pick it back up. Finally, they were off, and then I could place my call. That seems like not fun. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. (laughs) Because I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the other person, the other person on my party line was not Rock Hudson. It rarely is. Had it been Rock Hudson, it would have been exceedingly more fun. fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Two is one inspiration. You get all the juicy gossip that way, too. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do we have any more similarities or differences? I think the biggest difference, of course, being that one of these is from the the millennium of 1,000 and one is from the millennium of 2,000. But Well... I think it's interesting that one of them is about theater, theater, and one of them is about movies at the theater. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Oh yeah, and and relevant in in that too. That like this is the cutting edge of, or this is the current way that we mm-hmm. that we entertain ourselves is these things. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well. That's a good one. Okay. Can I throw in one more tidbit? I'm yeah. sorry. I just, I can't tell you. This is you, why like, we have you on this episode. <laughs> I have so many white Christmas things in my head. So Edith Head, you may have gathered, is my favorite um, costume designer mm-hmm. of all time in Hollywood. And um, directors back in the day would tell the costume designers, I don't know if it was like a hierarchical thing or what, but it was like they were not allowed to talk to the actors that they were costuming. And Edith Head knew, like, that's that's crap because an actor is going to look better if they're wearing clothes that they feel comfortable in. And so she would talk to the people and find out what is it that you like to wear. What makes you comfortable? What colors do you like? You know, mm-hmm. and then would design the costumes around them. And it has been um, suggested that, you know, people, you know, the whole um, Vera Ellen was thin and so she must have had anorexia. And she wore all of these, a lot of high neck things. And people said, oh, she was trying to hide um, um, a very wrinkled neck from anorexia. But in other movies from that same time, one called, I think it's called Call Me Madam that was filmed a year before. She has, she doesn't have high necks or high necked costumes and it was just, you know, fine. Her neck was fine. Mm-hmm. But I think that that, I wonder if that speaks to her telling Edith had, no, I really, I like a, something a little bit higher on my neck, you know, anyway. Yeah. There's that. Oh. Also, Edith Mode is Fashioned after Edna, Edith Head. Edna, Edna Mode. Edna Mode is fashioned after oh. Edith Head. But that's a totally different movie. Totally different movie. <laughs> but a good one, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Move into the questions part of, of this episode. And a question that I was thinking about uh, because of what Tyler said about 80s movies. Uh, mm-hmm. What... What are some movies? Is there is there an era? We talked about this a little bit, but is there an era of movies that you remember from your childhood sort of being this era of movies helped shape the kinds of movies that I like or at least the kinds of movies from my childhood? Definitely for me. Yeah. Same. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Question answered. Boom. All right. <laughs> <Just> let's, <kidding. laughs> tell us tell us about these eras. 
Uh, well, for me, it having been born in '92, mm-hmm. it it really would have to be at, in my youngest childhood '80s movies because yeah. we weren't. I mean, maybe a couple '90s movies like Lion King and Aladdin. I watched mm-hmm. just until I wore the VHSs out many, many times. Um, in my younger childhood, the '80s movies, Jurassic Park. Um, Maybe just everything of that era, like Ghostbusters. And I remember like when you, when we watched Terminator Two, you were like, "I, I remember parts of this movie. I must yeah, have watched it, it when I was a kid." Mm-hmm. That is that is one of the strange things about going back to one that I haven't watched since then is that like very specific scenes I do remember. Yeah, and maybe not you know the plot over the whole course of the movie. Um, and then, and I would say the one that really more formed my the types of movies I like and things like that <clears throat> were the very early two thousands because that's when I would be you know nine ten years old mm-hmm. so that those were the more formative ones i think you were like which ones movies. like the um sam raimi spider-man movies yeah. and mm-hmm. the x-men movies that came out then too that they really sparked my love of superheroes in general because mm-hmm. i mean i did watch like the the tim burton batmans and other sure. things like that growing up too before then but those were like the formative that really cemented my love of marvel versus dc i think not that I enjoy both, but I'm yeah. certainly a Marvel fanboy. Mm-hmm. I was going to pick one. Um, <clears throat> and then also, probably just my my taste, just because I love like high action. Mission Impossible, I was watching then too in the late, in the early 2000s. Mission yeah. Impossible 2, uh, which is awful, but that's, I still No, love that's it. the best one. <laughs> Mission Impossible 2 is the best one. Everybody knows that. Um, but yeah, I would say that those were the, the more formative eras, I think. Okay. Uh, hmm. of formatted kind of what I like now. Yeah. For me, it was uh, what Bill. What is it that it calls them? Movies that smell like movies spray that smell starch. like spray starch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because I would watch these old movies while I was ironing, and I used a lot of spray starch when I iron, and so it calls them. <laughs> anyway, um, but it was definitely movies from the fifties and sixties early 60s, um, and in particular, movies that starred Doris Day. I I feel like, I don't know, it's like I got hit in the back of the head at some point when I was watching a <laughs> Doris Day movie, and it just stuck. I'm so fascinated by her, and, and I, like, I learned, I got a lot of my um, sort of stylistic... persona inspirations that's a better word from her and from her movies and i used to joke that before i purchased anything i would think to myself what would doris do (laughs) um uh, like i remember i watched a really great doris day movie old black and white with clark gable called teacher's pet and in it, she's sitting at a restaurant. She has gloves on because, you know, there were gloves back in the day, you know, kind of the long that went midway up your arm. And I watched her take her gloves off. And there was no, it wasn't recorded. It was like on TV. And so you mm-hmm. couldn't go back. And I thought, ooh, next time the movie's on, I'm going to have to pay attention to that because that must be how you take gloves off. Yeah. <laughs> like tiny things even. Like I, I would have been seven maybe. Yeah. yeah. I just, I loved those, even still, when I watch old movies like White Christmas or some of the Doris Day movies or some really fun, like there's a really fun movie called The Gazebo 
Um, and I watch them now, not so much for the dialogue, but to see like, oh my God, look at that table. Oh, that's a, oh my gosh, that wallpaper is amazing. Yeah. Is it on eBay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Does Amazon sell something like that? I don't know. <laughs> Tangentially related. You said that about gloves and it made me think, uh, We've been watching at this house a lot of this most current season of The Voice, and I feel like every, eh, like 70% of the outfits that Ariana Grande is wearing on these episodes of The Voice are not necessarily Doris Day, but are very Audrey Hepburn of that era. Oh my god, Audrey too. She was in a dress that was that right kind of shimmery with the long gloves, and it was straight out of my face, just... Audrey Hepburn, yeah, she was also incredible. Yeah. It's hard for me to come up with and a Grace specific... Kelly. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's hard for me to come up with a specific era, I think, of movies because I feel like a lot of our early movie viewing was came from both you and dad. And the eras that you showed us were pretty broad. different broad and different and overlapping which means that the movies that i remember watching as a kid go as far back as something like white christmas or summer magic which isn't as old but then as as modern quote unquote as you know bill and ted's excellent adventure or strange brew or some of the other dumb 80s comedies that dad would show us and so that that whole like these movies that would smell like spray starch are things that are Doris Day, but then also Kevin Klein and Dave or Michael Douglas right. in um, American, President American President or things like that. And so I, after I finished, after I finished White Christmas the other day, I put on Sabrina with Harrison Ford because it's another movie that, that I remember watching as a kid, but yeah. also not, it's that one's solidly from the nineties. Every, every, yeah. every one of them is from a different era. And I think that might be a contributing factor as to why, the era doesn't matter for me nearly as much as the genre. Well, even the, not the genre so much, although there are genres I know that I don't engage with as much. I don't care much for a, a noir. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it. And I'm, I'm more inclined <clears throat> to watch it if it's a more of a modern noir or a more solidly detective noir. Mm-hmm. Nick is the one who likes Casablanca. And I'm mm-hmm. the one who's glad that I can say that I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> can check it off. <laughs> right. Done. I'm glad I'm glad I watched Casablanca because it means the cheap detective is funnier. Right. I watched <laughs> Casablanca. Done. Check that off. Okay, now right. dishes. Right, yes. <laughs> Gotta do the dishes. <laughs> I watched Casablanca. I really only remember all the Pokemon I caught while playing Pokemon while watching Casablanca. Nice. But I definitely was in the room while Casablanca was on. Nice. Do you guys have any other? Do you guys have any questions? I think I have one more, but I have to remember it. So if you guys have any, I I, I just so rarely have questions. <laughs> I feel like the, at the beginning when we started doing this show, we had like that was like we each need to write down three questions, and yeah. then as it progressed, we're like, I don't know if that's something something that we really need to do as much anymore. No, but I, I do have a thought that is completely outside of this podcast. <laughs> so I know the next time we hang out, we're going to watch Repo. Yes. Like, well, I Tyler decided... and I. I don't know if I don't know if you are, Mom. I don't know if that's <laughs> no. I was just thinking. God, I'm glad they asked me to be on this one and not the next one. <laughs> uh, repo, Repo Man, Repo Man, not Repo the Genetic Opera, which we no, did watch and not, the podcast, and not Repo Men, which is the same plot as Repo the Genetic Opera, but not a musical. 
Um, well, I already know what I would like to watch for the next next time we hang out. It is, in fact, a noir film. Interesting. Because I have not seen it either, but I got it for you for ah, your birthday. Yes. High and High Low. And low. By Kira Kurosawa. I'm interested mm. to watch that because I've not seen a movie that he's done that's not a samurai movie. Mm-hmm. I've Both only same. seen samurai movies from Kurosawa. I've seen Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and Hidden Fortress because he stole that one from George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that was not my question. That was a statement. <laughs> the question is, when are we going to watch that at your house? Is that the question? <laughs> I have a question. Yes, go for it. If you could pair a movie, a, a different movie, with either one of these mm-hmm. that we saw to, uh, that we watched for this podcast, what would it be? I would like to say that I have spent pretty much this entire calendar year trying to come up with another movie to pair with White Christmas, and I came up with nothing. <laughs> I spent off and on, like it wasn't my active thought for every month. But I spent this entire year trying to come up with another movie to pair with White Christmas that specifically discussed General Waverly's character. And the closest I got was I don't want to watch Gran Torino again. And Taken <laughs> is too action-packed. That's as far as I got. And neither of those... Neither of those are right. Right. Yeah. I guess if I was going to be focusing on something else... Then I could I could come up with something else for White Christmas, but because in my mind I was so set on the comparison with General Waverly yeah. and somebody else, I couldn't come up with anything else. And then when Devin said the holiday, I was like, "Well, that's perfect." Yeah. <laughs> so. When I was thinking about, <laughs> I mean, the first thought that came to my mind was the holiday and the last holiday, but only because the titles are similar. <laughs> like, there's nothing. You know? There could be, there are comparisons to be made there. The idea of doing something, well, doing something spontaneous because you need that change in your life. Sure, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet are getting that change because they need to get away from the the things that hurt them. And Queen Latifah is getting away from the fact that she thinks she's going to die. Right, so she's getting away, she's getting away from the thing that's going to hurt her, she thinks. Right. Yeah. What was it? We were just watching something the other day that the guy who's the doctor in The Last Holiday was in. I can't remember what movie he was in. We just watched a movie. Oh, he's so fun. He's so fun in that. He was hilarious. Tyler, what would you pair these with? It's it's hard for me to say because I think just because of, again, of my very, I mean, it's the first time I saw White Christmas, so I'd have to really think about what I would pair with it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Had you seen The Holiday before? I ha- well, I hadn't seen the holiday either, but it it the holiday reminded me of some Hallmark movies. So, okay, maybe yeah. Hallmark movie, but that's a little on the nose with finding okay. the Christmas All right. time. <laughs> okay, hold on. So there is a holiday movie called Trading Christmas that was oh. based on a book, I think, by the same name, and two. It's a it's a somewhat. I mean the 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 reason for trading and it's a different, it's totally different. Like these two people, the two women aren't house swapping. It's a whole different. Right. And there's like, there's like, I'm going to keep it secret that I'm going to this place 
what meanwhile my best friend is going to my place which i've now traded with this other guy and i go to this place to see my daughter and she's gone to a totally different city you know it's this whole but yeah so that that could pair yeah tyler you're right you didn't even know it (laughs) it's a it's a pretty good hallmark movie all things considered i liked that one yeah it's got the guy tyler have you seen enough of scrubs to know what to see jd's brother I don't think I've seen JD's brother. Okay, he shows up. There's this. There's an episode where after because John Ritter played their dad, and so when John Ritter died in real life, they had an episode where JD's dad died, and JD's brother spends most of the episode sitting in JD's bathtub, floating beer cans in the bathtub, and then JD's like, "Can I have a beer?" And he has to keep like, "Oh no, that one's water. Oh, that one's water. Oh, okay, here. This is a, this is an unopened beer." But he's he's the the author, the writer guy in trading yeah. trading places. Trading Christmas. Trading Christmas. Trading Places. <laughs> totally different, different movie. movie. Totally different. What would you pair these with, Mom? Well, that's what I was saying. I couldn't come up with anything yeah. except, uh, you know, The Last Holiday. Yeah. But I think I would maybe pair, yeah, Tyler, I think, had a good idea. Look at that. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say about these movies? Um, one thing. I would like to clear up. I would like to clear up a little misconception about white christmas and that is that a lot of people think that white christmas is the sequel to holiday inn which was a bing crosby fred astaire movie and it simply it it just wasn't this was 12 years later um they did use the same house though for the the holiday inn and yeah (laughs) they did use the same house um the sets within the house, the the setting within the house is different, you know. Okay. I was going to say, because I didn't recognize Holiday Inn was, that, yeah. Holiday Inn was black and white, so they didn't have to worry about colors matching and that sort of thing. So they could just yeah. pull in things that looked, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Same. And, speaking of which, Fred Astaire was originally offered the part that um, Danny Kaye took. And Fred Astaire was like, nah, I retired. I'm retired. And so then they offered it to Donald O'Connor. And I don't remember why he couldn't do it. But then they offered it to Danny Kaye. Had to do some. Yeah, they had to rewrite some things apparently because um, Donald O'Connor had like stronger sort of dancing technique Mm. than Danny Kaye did. But Danny could obviously certainly hold his own. Right, he did just fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we want to thank you again. Uh, two films, three curious, double alum Brenda for being on this episode. Mm-hmm. It was my pleasure. Two films, two curious, two alum. There we go. <laughs> right. You only get one cup though. So. You know what? You know what? I'm wearing. I, I wanted to dress for the occasion, so I'm wearing a shirt that says, "This is my Christmas movie watching shirt." Right. <laughs> and I was thinking on my way home from work that it would have been perfect if I had a two films, two curious T-shirt. We do need to do them eventually. You do. How many years have you been doing this? We are coming up on three. Three. I'll tell you what. When you hit five years, I'll fund T-shirts. All right. Listening public, you heard it. We're gonna have to keep. We're gonna have to keep doing this then. Yeah. yeah. I swear, if you t-shirt. stop, if you stop at, <laughs> I was just gonna say, if you stop at five years in one day. Come on. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be irritated. We don't do a podcast every day. It'll be five years in one month. that's right (laughs) right well 
thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, of course, as always, and I often forget, to our wonderful sponsors, Two Films, Three Curious, Alum Brenda, of course, sponsor of uh, What Do You Do, MCU, which we haven't done in a good long while, unfortunately, but as an apology... Another reason why we're happy to have you here today. Uh, also, <laughs> also thank, thank you, you to <laughs> also thank you to two films recently minted two films three curious alum Chris and co-tagonist Nick who have also been uh, hosts for quite some time or sponsors for quite Sponsor. some time. We have been co-hosts for the entire time. Anyway, and fine hosts you are. We try our best. Anyways, uh, until next episode, which... Oh, actually, next episode is also going to be a Two Films, Three Curious special, which Tyler may not remember, and I'm sure the other host has no idea, although we told him once. Uh, This would be... uh, This is something that we've done... Last year we did it as well, that on the the last episode before our end of year, and our, our anniversary is always in February... We try and do something that ties in back to our original theme. And our original theme for the first year was adaptations. And our theme for this year, and not every movie has been this way, but a lot of them have. Our theme for this year was live action and animated and the comparisons there. So hopefully, if we remember to do it, and we ask him if he is free, two films, three curious alum, the other bill, will be on to talk about The Lion King, an animated adaptation of Hamlet, and Strange, Strange Brew. Strange Brew? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He'll love that. Yeah, he'll so, love that. We'll, uh, that will probably be our January episode. Until then, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, keep, keep watching, watching movies. movies. And, Stay uh, curious. We love you. We love you.